Hi everyone, I'm Anna Close. And I'm Paul Jabroni, and this is the Engineering History Podcast. <laughs> if you want to hear about where engineering and history collide, then you're at the right show. Today, we'll be going over Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, okay. <laughs> Mamma mia. It's a pizza pie. Uh, he's racist. <laughs> is racism towards Italians real? Oh, wait, I'm recording on the wrong track. But oh, I think, no. It, no, I think it'll still work. It's just... Now it's named wrong in GarageBand, but that's fine. Okay. Um, one thing with Leonardo... Actually, we should maybe mention, the audio might sound a little different. We're recording on location. We are in Italy. <laughs> that's <laughs> not, not true. No, we're on travel uh, for mm-hmm. certain reasons. So this is a travel pod. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping the audio comes out pretty decent. We, we brought a little bit of a travel setup. Yeah. Um, but not why you clicked on this. But first, let's give you some background about us. I'm a manufacturing engineer at an aerospace company. And I'm a water engineer. I'm a water engineer focusing in water quality and, and I forgot what my whole spiel was. Water <laughs> quality and water distribution. You get the idea. We've said idea. this so many times. You get the idea. Is there anything after that? Uh, we're drinking coffee. Oh yes, we're drinking coffee today. We got wrecked last night. So That's not true. We did not. We had like two drinks. <laughs> Oh, like, oh, I like tequila. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like four drinks. Look, you know, um, good times were had by all. Mm-hmm. So, Leonardo da Vinci, obviously a huge topic. Yeah. Actually, at one of the social gatherings we went to yesterday, we were, you know, talking up the pot and everything, and I mentioned to somebody we met at that party mm-hmm. what the topic was going to be, and her reaction was like, the whole, Leonardo da Vinci? Like, mm-hmm. that's a huge amount of, like, like information agreed and i couldn't really discuss my strategy with her because you were standing right there and we like to kind of you know like surprise each other the day of yeah but for me uh like i think a good way to tackle this is gonna give some info about leonardo's very early life talk about his travels around italy give some of the top work from these times and places through this we're gonna get a sense of who he was what he worked on because i want to be efficient with our time Mm mm-hmm this pod will essentially focus on Leonardo's early life. Like, lo- like for all intents and purposes, this is... I'm thinking the pod might be called The Early Life of Leonardo da Vinci. Okay, so it's not the whole timeline of events. Yeah, it's kind of him through um, his most active period in engineering work. So Ooh. I was thinking, you know, like, he does most of his, like... Like, think of Leonardo... Wait, what do you know about Leonardo? Um, You know, a lot. Mainly just through... You know, like, you know, school and stuff like okay, that. They okay. they kind of teach you things here and there. No, <laughs> and Futurama. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. My my actually Futurama, and also he's in Assassin's Creed too. Oh my god! I've been listening to the soundtrack recently to kind of get myself in the headspace. Okay. The, it, in Assassin's Creed, like you're obviously a dude running around like being an assassin. Mm-hmm. It's like. Uh, Renaissance Italy, and then he makes you these like gadgets. So you get these like mm. like pellet shooter thingies, and then this glider thingy. Um, yeah, <clears throat> we'll go over all that. Yeah, I mean I, we won't because that wasn't real. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyways. Yes, but anyways, his most um, sort of engineering stuff that we'll get to is kind of in his early life, mm. and you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there that talk about the breadth and the depth of Leonardo's work. We will touch on. His painting, his art, his various interests. We will focus on his engineering. Apparently he mastered 
the brush strokes so well that you couldn't even tell yeah. on the canvas that it was you yeah. couldn't see like the brush stroke you can't see the individual brush stroke yeah. that's exactly right that is insane and he was ambidextrous too i thought he was left-handed i thought he could write with both hands so or, yeah. what I, I i don't know if he could write with his right hand i do know that one thing we'll go over well let's just cover it now mm-hmm. he wrote backwards so he yeah. would write with his left hand but he would write uh right to left so his writing is in like a mirror script Ooh, i thought okay maybe it was he could draw with his right hand and write with his left hand perhaps whatever there's i'm excited to hear about it (laughs) (laughs) well um great so imagine if you will Mm -hmm. a world that is rapidly changing the last few decades have brought prosperity but also chaos uncertainty Exploration and innovation. That's not hard to imagine. It's pretty easy to imagine. <laughs> um, and in fact, you might say in a world like that, that many would claim that we are on the forefront of humanity's greatest technological revolution. Mm. Others focus on past wisdom and point to the repository of knowledge that we're lucky enough to have at our disposal. I'm cool. obviously talking about Renaissance Italy. Yeah, obviously. Obviously. 1400s to 1500s i don't i can't you know i can't do centuries I can't, I, is that the 13th century i don't know is that okay the 1400s to 1500s 15th and 16th centuries 15th and 16th centuries yeah okay. i will never get that it's um, okay <laughs> but to understand leonardo i think it makes a lot of sense to start at in the context in which he lived mm-hmm. so the renaissance was a time much like our own as you've alluded to After the late Middle Ages, there began this movement where it was like, hey, we have so much ancient classical wisdom from the Greeks and the Romans. Uh We kind of let that fall by the wayside a little bit. Let's let's resurrect that a little bit and remember that wisdom. And I think we have the power to surpass that, you know? Okay. Okay. Go off, king. (laughs) We got kings going off. Like, kings Mm -hmm. and queens supporting queens and kings. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. <laughs> um, and the idea wasn't just to remember the time, it was to surpass it. And that's the other big piece of Renaissance culture. Huge developments in every field you could imagine. Art, literature, science, architecture, painting, building, design, and of course, engineering. Ooh. I got the tingle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Do you, like, do you remember that one Instagram reel? No. This killed me. Okay, so it's like... It was like this girl standing behind the counter and uh, she's like, guy walks in with a gun. Give me everything in the register. <laughs> me. The tingles. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> oh my God. It's very unhinged. Horrific. <laughs> very, very unhinged. Um, anyway, so we will be discussing the man who perhaps most perfectly embodied the unquenchable thirst for knowledge that characterized the Renaissance period. Mm-hmm. None other than Leonardo da Vinci. I struggled to find a good way to ground this pod, uh, Anna, because I feel like Leonardo, especially, I knew not that much about Leonardo da Vinci going into this podcast. Yeah. Beyond Assassin's Creed 2. Mm-hmm. I feel like Leonardo is like one of those names you hear and he's just like a mythological figure. It's like Julius Caesar. It's like... How do you separate the man from the myth? Exactly. Or Napoleon. Or Napoleon, which, Mm -hmm. still uh, still wondering on that one. Hey, Yeah, that movie. Man. (sighs) So (laughs) much potential. Uh, Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) Uh, Wait. uh, 
before we get off the Napoleon point, mm-hmm. uh, what what did Ridley Scott say to the people who said it was historically inaccurate? Oh, no, he was like, even the French don't like themselves when it was criticized in France. He said that one, but he also said, uh, were you there? No? Then shut the fuck <laughs> oh, up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even though it was not such a great movie, I kind of admire like Ridley memes. Scott. I love the vibe around <laughs> yeah. the movie, you know? <laughs> Oh my god, his his little like meh, 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 meh. <laughs> folks. I, I I don't think we can say it's a movie worth watching, but it's kind of a movie worth watching. If you really love just cringing and just wanting to vomit everywhere, but th- there are some parts of that movie that are legitimately amazing. Like I think the battle scenes of that movie are great. Yeah, well, Ridley Scott's really good at battle scenes. He's a big like epic thinker. I think it's almost like a George Lucas where it's like you get the broad strokes amazing, but then mm-hmm. sort of the connective tissue sometimes falls by the wayside yeah but anyways we're not talking about napoleon no but we are talking about uh deliberate embellishment which is what happened to the life of leonardo da vinci after he died a few decades after leonardo's death mm-hmm. another another painter named giorgio vasari wrote a biography of leonardo that essentially turned him to like a superhuman god of oh. arts industry and science <laughs> mm-hmm there's one story in that book where Leonardo is an art student, so he's like 14 or 16 or something. Mm-hmm. He's like working in a workshop, and his master like walks by and sees this like beautiful painting, and the master has his own paintbrush, and he like throws it on the ground. He's like, I'll never paint again. <laughs> <laughs> Dog chill. <laughs> so I'll leave it. To- Maybe that happened. For all I know, that happened. Um, can I ask a quick question? Sure can. This- so, did Leonardo do the Mona Lisa? He did the Mona Lisa. Okay, that's I thought so. There is a really interesting history behind the Mona Lisa. Oh, yeah. Apparently, time. it was like... Oh, I can't the guy remember. who stole it. The guy who stole yes. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he just had it in his home. Just yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And he would just like sip coffee just and eat his morning breakfast. Yeah. Imagine that. And I think that's the reason why it became like so famous. No, it was. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was like, why would someone yeah. steal art? You yeah. know, oh, so, interesting. I'm sure folks know what the Mona Lisa is, but um, Leonardo did the Mona Lisa, uh, which is a painting of a woman, kind of cryptic smile. Mm-hmm. And then in the 1900s, this dude working at the Louvre, I think. Yeah, he was a janitor, I believe. He was like a janitor, yeah. just walked out with it. He like, like mm-hmm. I think he basically, it's it, you can't even roll it up. It's on like walnut or something. It's, it's wood. Yeah. So yeah. he would have had to like hide it under some smock. And it was, like, years. He had it in his apartment for, like, two years or something. Yeah. And then they finally popped him. And then, I don't remember offhand, I only read the synopsis, but I think he went to jail, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but I think he gave, like, such a, like, a moving speech to the judge or something yes. like that. No, no, it was that, um, it was in uh, France, mm-hmm. and he was like, I was returning it to my native Italy, mm-hmm. which is hilarious because Leonardo went to France, and that's why it was in France at all. Yeah. It's not like they stole it, you know? <laughs> yeah, well. and he, Actually, he was like, I'm returning it because, like, Napoleon III, like, stole it or something, oh. which was not true at all. Interesting, but it's such a, well, go off, King. Amazing painting. Steal that art. <laughs> we won't really be covering Mona Lisa. We will mm-hmm. cover a couple of his, his paintings. Okay. Um, but as this is an audio only podcast, it's you know like we'll 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 folks we'll describe everything in really great detail. I'm excited. Hell yeah, sweet. Um, so this pod, I, I will say uh, one other thing, and then we can jump right into the meat of it, which is that this pod will pull heavily from a few sources. Foremost is the book Leonardo da Vinci by Walter Isaacson. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I am a big fan of his biographies. I read his Steve Jobs one. He just did the famous Elon one that just came out. I read that too. Oh, yeah. And so this just felt like a natural jumping off point. Mm -hmm. Additionally, I read over a bunch of Leonardo's notebooks. And I want to pause a little briefly on here because the notebooks kind of form like a a connective tissue between a lot of his work. Mm -hmm. So um, obviously I didn't read them directly because they're in Italian and they're also written backwards as I mentioned. So like he would write in like you you would hold it up to a mirror and then it looks like regular Italian. Oh. Which Leo uh, left-hander as as we had talked about maybe ambidextrous but definitely could write with the left hand. Um, probably came up with this way of writing because it was easier. He never meant for his notebooks to be written, to as written to be public, although he did plan to publish them. But much like many of his projects we're going to see, mm-hmm. like, he was like, I'm going to finish it, and he never finished it because he's Aww. like, he's too much of a, you know, he's, it, they definitely, if he lived now, he, they would have put him on, like, Ritalin or something. Like, yeah. He was a little king. Same king. <laughs> Go off. <laughs> Um, one thing is how detailed his notebooks are. I was slogging through some of them, going through page after page, treatises of optics, light, shadows. Um, we're going to see this pattern where Leonardo starts as a painter. He gets interested in something because it's going to make his painting better. So optics. Mm -hmm. But then at a certain point that he reaches like a tipping point where he starts to be interested in optics just for the sake of optics. Mm -hmm. So he becomes just like a genius on optics. Then he goes back to painting and applies all that knowledge. He does that like like probably 30 or 50 times throughout his life. He does that with geology. So there's one painting, we're not going to cover it, but it's called Virgin of the Rocks, where mm-hmm. it's just Mary standing on these rocks. And you can see like the perfectly, like the the like strata, the like layers of rocks. And oh. he only puts the kind of rocks that would have been in like, you know, that region at the time. That's so cool. So detailed. Oh. So detailed. Um, so he does this like so often throughout his life. Um, one of his notebook pages starts with a quote, I think it's from Plato maybe, but let no man who is not a mathematician read the elements of my work. Mm. I read that and then I tried to read his work and I failed. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're not a mathematician. I'm not a mathematician. What I did love was he has little to-do lists. So like in the same way we have Apple reminders, like Notion. go to the store. Notion, exactly. Uh-huh. Um, it's like go to the farmer's market. My favorite one of his to-do lists Go every Saturday to the hot bath where you will see naked men. (laughs) 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 Cha-ching. He added the cha-ching. I added the (laughs) cha-ching. I'll leave that there. There is another far more serious section, which is called On the Penis. (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) Talks about how the penis has a mind of its own. Um, Does it? (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, I'll leave that to the audience to decide. We are going to reference a bunch of Leonardo's art, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of went throughout how he picks and chooses from various disciplines and sinks it all back into his art. Mm-hmm. Mona Lisa is where that really all synthesizes. We're not really going to cover Mona Lisa. We're going to cover, in detail, Ginevra da Benci and mm-hmm. The Last Supper. Okay. Ooh, nice, yeah. nice. Good, good painting, mm-hmm. good painting. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're finally going to get... <laughs> To the real meat of the pod. So let's get in here. All right. Born 1452. Damn. Guess what town he was born in? Florence? Vinci. Vinci. Okay. Which, 20 miles outside Florence. Okay. I was close. Firenze. Firenze. (laughs) This is, you could guess what his life is like already. Because it's the classic pattern that we see on the Engineering History Podcast. His dad didn't love him. (laughs) 
complex father relationship. Oh, I wouldn't say God. his dad didn't love him. Mm-hmm. Complex father relationship comes from means, right? Mm-hmm. So he's given a support structure. This is, we, we see this all the time on the Engineering History Podcast. This is not and not new to it's, us. It's like, I'm smoking a cigarette. It's like, I've seen him come and I've seen him go. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you ain't nothing, boy. Yeah, you think you got some talent. <laughs> I've been in this industry a long time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm. So he comes from means... He has a reason not to fit in exactly right, because he was a bastard, born oh, out of wedlock. I did not know that. Old Leo was like a Jon Snow kind of deal. Ooh. Yeah, spoilers. Oh. Not really. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so he, his dad, by the way, player, Leonardo had a, between 12 and 17 half-siblings. We don't know the real number. Damn. So, um, and... <clears throat> a bunch of mythology about his parents and like people were like the people thought she, his mom was like a chinese slave or something that no no, no that's real okay um <laughs> in reality she was just an impoverished peasant girl um which is like you know yeah whatever right okay so his dad hooked up with his mom and yes. then like nine months later he went back to check in on the mom or what happened so the dad was kind of a local he was a playboy he was kind of a local like sort of you know mm-hmm. thief dumb guy yeah he, he just kind of he, he had power and influence the, his mom was totally impoverished mm-hmm. and the dad so the dad's kind of a complex figure because he didn't legitimize leonardo Aww. he did set up leonardo's mom with someone of equal social standing so like a farmer or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so like you could you know but he was never gonna marry leonardo's mom just Aww. it's like you know the social rules of the time or whatever yeah so you know, you could say, like, oh, maybe he's trying to, like, operate within the system or something, or, you know. No, he's an ass. <laughs> <laughs> Complex guy, right? Um, an asshole. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Leonardo's dad um, was a notary, uh, and long line of notaries, actually. Leonardo was never going to do that. He was not, he did not have the consistency. He didn't have, he was writing backwards. I mean, you can't be a notary when you write backwards, right? Yeah, that's a little bit too confusing, right? He could write the right way forward. He just personally preferred to write. He preferred, right. Oh, interesting. Okay. What I really mean, I guess, is like that his his mind was not set up to be a notary. Yeah. Did he have dyslexia? Because that would be really interesting if he, he, that's a really good question. I don't know. Dyslexia, ADHD. That is Could the characteristic be. traits of every good <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And a little bit of OCD, probably, because mm-hmm. we're going to see some of these drawings. Beautiful, detailed, mm-hmm. incredible. Dad didn't love him. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Just setting him up for success. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and and uh, I think that's basically all I want to say is about his background, except that his father refused to legitimize him, even though it would have been pretty easy for him to do that. He just mm-hmm. didn't do it. And decades later, Leonardo would get into a series of protracted legal battles over his inheritance once his dad died. Ooh. Because his dad left him stuff, but then his half-siblings were like, no, you're not really part of the family, and it's like this whole thing, right? Well, it's, well I don't care. I'm Sorry. Leonardo da Vinci, bitch. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I'm taking <laughs> your shit. <laughs> you'll, you'll know that name in a couple hundred years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's that thing from Back to the Future where it's like... That was too early for you, but your parent, your children oh, are gonna love it. Oh yeah, or something. yeah, yeah. When he's playing like rock music or something, yeah, like exactly. some kind of like hardcore. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Never seen the movie actually. Oh, it's so good. Yes. So, um, hey, Anna, we got Leonardo da Vinci in the town of Vinci, mm-hmm. and he's a young guy, and he's already a little bit of a weirdo. Okay? Oh, okay. Love he's, to see it. 
he's a weirdo king. We love mm-hmm. to see a weirdo schizo king. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's a fundamental rule in storytelling. Mm-hmm. Show, don't tell. Have you heard of this? Yeah. Basically, just the idea is like, I don't want to hear that Leonardo was kind of a weirdo. Tell me a story where he's a weirdo, and I'm going to pick that up myself, right? Okay. Let's break that rule. Because <laughs> I, I, I want to just like set some ground rules of like who this guy is, who you know, just going forward through these stories, okay? Mm-hmm. So, Leonardo was a really unusual guy for a lot of reasons. Left-handed, maybe ambidextrous, but either way, he wasn't the standard dude. Mm-hmm. Became a vegetarian. That was unusual at Whoa. the time. By the way, because he loved animals, um, that was the main motivation. Whoa. He would actually uh, buy, he would go to the market. This is way later in his life, obviously. He would go to the market, buy birds, and then walk to the forest and just let them go. Oh my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude, he does sound like Jon Snow from our, the real Jon Snow wait, episode. Just wait until we talk about his opinions on public sanitation oh my god i'm so excited george rr yeah. martin we're on to you yeah yeah no we got we got your inspiration who's the it might yes it might be yeah uh wait hang on <laughs> i'm putting the pieces together um, i think he was actually inspired by the john snow in the cholera episode probably because, was i yeah. mean it's john snow that's true you know um, let's see what else. So he's kind of a weirdo for all that. He's sometimes heretical, sometimes goes against the church, uh, mm-hmm. just because he's, you know, it's like, it's like the Renaissance and almost like to the Inquisition period. Yeah, we love to see it. Okay. Another thing, this is, uh, so the Isaacson book is very convinced of this. I think there's really good evidence. There's very good evidence that he was gay. Very good evidence. Oh, he, really? <laughs> the the bathhouses didn't give it away? <laughs> so I would call that I would call that very good circumstantial evidence, right? And he was also, like, accused of sodomy when he was, like, 20 or something. Oh, okay. And he had these dudes he lived with. So, like, there's a lot of pieces where it's, like, you know. Yeah. It, it's not like, you know, he never wrote down his notebook, I'm gay. But he wrote down, like, can't wait to go to those bathhouses and make it Can't wait to men. get sucked off by a guy. <laughs> So you can kind of, you know, pull pull all that together. That also, of course, would make him not unusual for the time, but that would, like, him being kind of open about that. Mm-hmm. By the way, being a bastard and being gay in Renaissance Italy, like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it was, like, super accepted, mm-hmm. but not the worst place for that to happen. Like, you wouldn't, like, you know, it definitely, like, compared to, like, the Middle Ages, obviously, it would yeah. be way better to be uh, Renaissance Italy. Because, yeah, I feel like Italy, like, they were just fucking whatever had holes in it. Italy is, so... I mean, they were fucking dead people. Obviously. <laughs> well, it, Italy is, like, one of those things where, especially at this time, mm-hmm. Italy is not, like, one thing. Italy is a bunch of, like, city-states, oh, right? So okay. you have Florence, but you also have, like, Rome, you have mm-hmm. Milan, you have all these things. They all mm-hmm. kind of have their own... You, you can't really say, like, Italy as one thing really exists yet, Yeah, per se. okay. It's kind of its own thing. Um, another thing we should talk about, Leonardo had a completely magnetic personality. Ooh. Strong charisma, strong mm-hmm. intellect, big fan of puns, big fan of pranks, <laughs> physically beautiful. Apparently he was a specimen. Great looks, curly hair, but like buff body. Like, Are you just describing yourself right stop now? Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. God, you're building me up. I am. And I'm going <clears> to <throat> knock you down a peg. So. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. That's um, that the Engineering History Podcast, knock the guy down live. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to make you cry. I, well, I would never. Speaking of um, <laughs> making people cry, mm-hmm. Leonardo 
fun, bubbly guy. Yeah. Has a little bit of a dark side. Ooh. Yeah. Is he, like, the kind of guy where he's, like, very smart and, char- uh, like, charismatic, but he's like, I see your weak point, and I could use this against you so, very easily. He um he was really good at doing that with mechanical systems. Mm-hmm. That's more like a Niccolo Machiavelli, right? Okay. Who, yeah. by the way, knew Leonardo. They were contemporaries. Mm. Machiavelli, by the way, thought very highly of Leonardo. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay. They both used to work. They, we're not going to cover this, but they worked for Cesare Borgia, who this is way down. We're we're gonna, we're not going to get to that point. But Borgia, evil fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, if you read The Prince by Machiavelli, mm-hmm. it's about Borgia, um, and The Prince is all about how to be just like a fucking bastard and get power. Mm. Essentially, got it. Okay. <laughs> uh, but but Machiavelli did respect Leonardo. No, Leonardo is more like I would call him kind of the class clown, where he's like joking around. Mm-hmm. Have you seen those memes where it's like the class clown during school, and it's like waha yay, and yeah. it's like the class clown at home, and it's like. My life is nothing but pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds a lot like me. <laughs> it's that that's the vibe I get from God, he's such a peak engineer. <laughs> You're gonna love this. He has this story. So he would tell stories. Part of his job was to be like a court entertainer, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I realize we're jumping all over the place here, but I think the tapestry hey. of Leonardo's life is like he's just that guy you just can't go in a straight line with, right? Yeah. One of his things as a as a job was to work in this court, um, and part of his job was to tell funny stories. Mm. And he would tell funny stories, but they would often get very dark at the end, and they would end with, like, the destruction of the entire world, or Ooh. somebody opens, like, Pandora's box, and, like, demons are released into the world, and the Whoa. world, like, is ruined, you know? Okay. Um, he has this one story where there's a prophet who is also a, a water engineer, <gasps> And Leonardo, it's like a self-insert. So he thought of himself as a water engineer, actually. I love him. Solid okay. We, he, he had this whole... God, we should... Uh, we're jumping around we're so jumping much. We're jumping around so But way. there is one thing where he was, like, working with Machiavelli at one point. Mm-hmm. And Leonardo and Machiavelli were working, I think, for Borgia at the time. And Borgia wanted to conquer this city, and he had this whole siege plan. And mm-hmm. Leonardo was like, wait a minute, they're along this river. Let's create this giant dam. Dam up the river. They're going to lose all their water. And then we're going to just, like, dry them out. And Machiavelli's like, yeah, I like where this guy's head's at. <laughs> kings supporting kings. I, I, look, it probably would have worked. But I don't think they did it. But Oh, my God. it's. I feel, I feel like it's okay for jumping around a little bit. Like, I don't yeah. think you can just talk about Leonardo and be linear because his life is so interesting he is like probably like one of those people who like slept two hours a night and is just doing everything like at one point in his life he was I think it was when he was working on Last Supper he would work all day on Last Supper then go to the hospital at night and dissect bodies and then he would go back to like painting and it was like this insane schedule he was on man did they have cocaine back then because what is this guy on (laughs) couldn't tell you I couldn't tell you but anyway so let's get back on track. Yes. Now that we've done that little crash course into like who this guy really is. <laughs> yeah. Little class kind of little prankster. But He's a little goofy. He has a little dark side De- too. Depressed goofy guy. Depressed goofy guy. We need our emotional support depressed goofy guy. <laughs> uh, that literally was Leonardo's job. Like we're going to see he like literally worked as like uh, an emotional support human. <laughs> like just like a court dude. So anyway, um, for all of his issues, Leonardo's dad did make sure that Leonardo got a basic education. Right? Mm-hmm. So he sent him to school, and even more than that, well, hate to say it, little nepo baby situation, kind of got him a job. His Ooh. dad was a notary. One of his clients was Andrea Del Verrocchio. 
um, who used him as a notary, mm-hmm. he ran a Florentine art, science, and engineering workshop. Whoa. Uh-oh, ever heard of him? I got Leonardo da Vinci. That's my kid right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little around, uh, probably around 1765 or so, after the family moved to Florence. So mm-hmm. the family moves to Florence. They were 20 miles outside of Florence. 1765? Seven, uh, 1465. <laughs> probably makes a lot more sense. Uh, yeah, I'm just a little confused. It's actually 300 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Thank you for catching that. Um, mm-hmm. Later on, I would have been around 14 or so. Okay. Um, so, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a Nepo baby situation going on. I don't know. But Verrocchio did put him to work. He was mostly doing drawings. So you kind of start out in the trenches. You're just doing drawings of shit. You're, like, mm-hmm. just churning out drawings, essentially. Yeah. But eventually, Leonardo showed a real aptitude for, you guessed it, painting. Oh. This is, like, when that story happens where the guy, like, throws his brush down. He's like, no, I will never be as good as you. There's no way that happened. Who knows? Who knows? Um, But, so, Verrocchio was interesting because he didn't really have much natural talent for painting, frankly, even though he was a master. Mm -hmm. He had that thing of, like, I'm a Sigma, I'm grinding, I'm doing a painting, like, you know, I'm constantly painting all the time. Mm -hmm. So, his paintings are beautiful. They're very studied. But they don't have this, like, they're almost, like, somewhat lifeless because they're too... He has all the details down a little too well, right? Oh. What he'd use Leonardo, who's a student now, he'd be like, hey, I made this painting. Add the floor and fauna because I want that to be alive and have the sense of liveliness. I mm-hmm. can do the buildings because that's okay if that's dead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, even at an early age, Leonardo started to show signs of outstripping the skills of his master. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So, what do you do with that? <laughs> um, skills of his master. Right. And it wasn't just Leonardo's skill in painting, by the way. The technical skill of, like, pushing the brush or anything. Mm-hmm. He also experimented with various types of paints. Oil-based paint. Custom blends. Ooh. He was dissecting. The same way he would eventually dissect humans, he was dissecting the art of painting. Ooh. Okay. Okay. He's an engineer of art. Exactly. It's like material science... Consistent mm-hmm. viscosity, you might even say. Yeah. This didn't always work out amazing. Sometimes it actually led to real preservation issues. Mm-hmm. But it also showed his rigor in terms of wanting to get to the ground truth of everything. Of just being like, no, like, show me. It's like what we would call today first principles engineering, right? Where it's like, if this is a technical problem, show me what's actually going on in the physics. If you're making an economic argument, show me in the economics how this works. Okay. <clears throat> This leads to one aspect of his personality I found really interesting. Leonardo is what you would call an empiricist, okay? So empirical knowledge versus theoretical knowledge. Empirical knowledge is like, is like I measured X, therefore, you know, it's like if you're measuring flow through a pipe, you know, mm-hmm. my flow, di- my diameter is this, my material is this, my roughness is this, we're going this fast. Mm-hmm. Whereas the theory is Q equals AV. Right? The theory is like, how does water flow through a pipe? Yeah. It's less about the numbers and the results and more just about the the practicality behind it. Exactly. And the mm. observation, right? And so the observation, yeah. Leonardo does not really have uh, that much formal education beyond the basic one in his childhood. Mm-hmm. Most of his knowledge is based on observation, direct observation of the world with his own, like himself doing the experiments. Oh, okay. He did this constantly. He noticed that like when birds flap their wings... They go faster, like, they go faster flapping them down than mm-hmm. when they flap them up. 
or something. That's interesting. He was like, why is that? And like, you know, he was obsessed with flight and like flying and designed many flying machines to make people fly. Okay. <clears throat> That's kind of, you know, rowing, it's kind of similar. Like you go mm-hmm. like faster on the pole mm-hmm. and slower up towards like when you're yeah. towards the stroke. So it's kind of the same thing because you're like birds are just pushing a fluid just mm-hmm. the same way a robot would. Yeah. It's just the fluid happens to be air. Oh, that's so cool. By the way, uh, Leonardo knew that water was incompressible as well, and he derived that, I think, independently. Wow. <laughs> yeah. A lot of his work actually was a precursor to, like, Bernoulli and, and all those guys. Oh, yeah, and that guy with his granddaughter dated Oh, Ber- <laughs> <laughs> that dude we met? Yeah. <laughs> we met Bernoulli's, uh, the, what, what was it? The guy who had sex with Bernoulli's granddaughter. Yeah. Which makes no sense. It doesn't. He was wasted. We met him at a, at a, uh, networking event. Yeah. <laughs> which, to be fair, the networking event was happening at midnight, so I don't know if that was actually that, a networking event. That, I don't think it was. I think it was just a chance for engineers to get drunk, which we do fairly often. Hey. <laughs> Speak for yourself. That guy was taking it to a new level yeah <laughs> um let's see uh it's not that leonardo never had a use for theory he would learn theories he was just far less likely than the average person to take theory as gospel and he would just learn random things isaacson in his book highlights in one of his little to-do notes describe the tongue of the woodpecker why why do you need to know that like, like, what are you going to gain from it <laughs> yes it's like that mean what are you going to gain from it <laughs> Like, he would just learn random shit, and he kind of, by the end of his life, he kind of became almost like a human encyclopedia. Mm -hmm. So the reason we're focusing on this earlier part of his life is because this is when he's generating a lot. He's doing a lot of paintings, he's doing a lot of designs, etc. Later on in his life, his value to, like, his his sort of benefactors and patrons was a lot more like, I want to know a random fact, you're a human encyclopedia, and you probably know something about what I'm going to ask. Yeah, okay. Um... Now, one of the reasons the workshop was such a good environment for Leonardo is it combined his great passions, art, engineering, and science. Mm -hmm. It struck me when reading about Leonardo's life how much of his innovation and thought was really original and just to satisfy his own curiosity. One big place that expressed itself, that this expressed itself, was actually the theater. Oh, the theater! <laughs> Leonardo loved working in the theater, the theatrical arts. Oh my arts. god, he's a theater kid engineer. A, he was like the most dangerous kind. <laughs> seriously, seriously, like this. He almost like feels like the kind of person who like 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 I like maybe if we thought of them today, we'd be like you're a little coddled. I don't know. I don't know if that's like necessarily mm. fair, but like he has. All these, like, sort of, like, he's so, like, pure and genuine. Like, I don't want to say coddled. That's a bad way of putting it. But he's, like, he, he's let his inner child survive, if that makes sense. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Okay, cool. Um, so, uh, one thing I love about Leonardo's, like, theater stuff is that he brought in all the engineering stuff. So, he would make these amazing mechanical contraptions to be used during plays. Mm-hmm. He made one called the Aerial Screw, which was kind of an early proto-helicopter that would have a spinning blade. And a lot of people think it's like the first helicopter design ever. Isaacson thinks it was likely used more in a theatrical context, but regardless, like Leonardo like had this whole thing where it would like it would like lift itself and it would be like the quote axis will be made of a fine steel blade bent by force and when released it will turn the screw so the idea is it would raise or lower you based on a lot like a helicopter okay wow and it kind of makes sense you would use that in the theater versus like you know like you would kind of prototype that in the theater but he would often design things for the theater and then take it into real life oh i love this guy 
One thing that's kind of interesting is he uh, would record this in his notebook. So Verrocchio's studio got a job to mount a giant two-ton copper ball on top of Florence's cathedral. Mm-hmm. You might be thinking this is the 1460s. You can't go to uh, to United Rentals and get a, a cherry picker, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So how do you do that? Um, <clears throat> some of these systems... So Verrocchio's uh, studio comes up with a complex series of gears and hoists to get the ball up there. Whoa. A lot of these systems were developed by Brunelleschi, who mm-hmm. was a founding father of Renaissance architecture. Mm-hmm. He originally designed the dome, and Leonardo actually drew a bunch of these mechanisms in his own notebook, and he's, like, obsessed with this whole, like, how do we get this up here thing. Yeah. Um, Leonardo also noted this. He really liked this. So the ball was transported to the top of the cathedral in eight parts. So you can think of like slices of an orange, basically. Mm-hmm. And then at the top of the dome, it was soldered together. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. We can go over really quick what soldering is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're an electrical engineer, you probably already know this. But soldering is when you have two metal surfaces you want to be connected. So in this case, it's like you put the orange together and you're trying to connect the sort of, you know, mm-hmm. rind or whatever. Kind of stressing the metaphor, but um, uh, you uh, so you're basically melting metal in between them. It's right? different than welding, right? Different than welding, because with welding, um, what's going on is that uh, the base metals themselves are melted. Mm-hmm. With soldering, you're only melting the metal th- that connects them, right? Okay, if gotcha. that makes sense. Yeah. Um. Uh, and there's also brazing, which is uh, a whole separate thing, yeah. which is really similar. But basically, uh, you use different third metals than solder, and you go at a higher temperature. Too many <laughs> words. Too many big words. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Obviously, since this is Renaissance Italy, you didn't have your Hako soldering iron, right? Yeah, um, I guess. I think it's Hako. Um, <laughs> I'm a Metcal man, to be honest. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I thought this was the Leonardo da Vinci episode, though. <laughs> which they didn't have. Um... <laughs> Instead, this is crazy, and Leonardo got obsessed with this. They used these three-foot-tall concave mirrors. And what they would do is the sun would shine, and it would concentrate the soul. This is real. They would concentrate the energy, and they would melt metal (gasps) using this thing. Whoa. Leonardo was blown away by this. He was, like, writing about this in his notebook all the time. That is insane. Yeah, he called them the fire mirrors. Oh, my God. Good name. Good name. (laughs) He actually eventually, and I didn't write this down, but when he was working for Borgia, he eventually wanted to turn this into a weapon to destroy Borgia's enemies. (laughs) Where, like, you have enemy ships coming, and you would, like, aim these mirrors at them and, like, light their ships on fire. Oh, my God. Dude, yeah. d- get away from Borgia. He's not a good influence. <laughs> He's a bad influence. Dude, oh my god. So we're going to go over like Leonardo's like military engineering. Oh my but god. under Borgia, he saw like actual war and apparently that sobered him like dramatically. Because oh, right yeah. now he's just like, yeah, war, this is awesome. And yeah. he's never been to war and he doesn't understand the real, the real things. Oh, you sweet summer child. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he loved this because it was a fascinating, it was... He was fascinated by the way that architecture, science, and engineering all came together and produced a beautiful art piece, eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was super pumped about that, but let's get back to his early painting talent, okay? Yay, okay. <laughs> Leonardo hustling, grinding in the studio. He's been there since age 16. He's now around 24. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know what? It's time. I'm going to open my own workshop. Goodbye. Wow. But I, it's been fun. It's been real. It's been fun. And it's, it's been, been real been fun. Real, it's been real fun. <laughs> but it's time for me to go off on my own. Yeah. And Verrocchio's like, no, please. Please. Leonardo. Leonardo. Mamma mia. This is a, just a quick question. So Da Vinci. Mm-hmm. Of Vinci. Yeah. So 
he didn't, since he was a bastard, he didn't have, like, his father's last name. So it was just, like, of Vinci. Basically. Like, you would normally say, his dad's name was, uh, I think, Piero. Mm-hmm. So you would normally say Leonardo Del Piero, mm-hmm. but because he wasn't really Del Piero, yeah. <laughs> he was Del Nobody. Oh, so. just like Jon Snow. <laughs> exactly. So, oh my god. So he's really Leonardo Spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> Leonardo Spaghetti me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, most of the guys would just, like, guys in these, like, courts and stuff would just mm-hmm. be like, that's Leonardo of Vinci, right? Okay, gotcha. So, he did kind of use it as a surname. There's a little back and forth of, like, how much you could call it a last name. It's not really a last name, but functionally it kind of served as a last name. Gotcha. Okay, I just wanted to clear that up. No, it's a good it's a good thing to clear up for sure. Okay, cool. Um anyway, by the way, speaking of dad, uh daddy's money kind of how he opened this workshop. Oh, I hate to say it. God. <laughs> throwing that out there. Not to say he's too much of a nepo baby, but I just just throwing mm, that out there. <laughs> you know what? If we were born richer, man, the things that we would <laughs> I would probably just do nothing with my life if I was born richer. Like, it's all—it's probably a good thing. Sorry, my parents are just good, old-fashioned, hard-working Americans. Yeah, why aren't they paying for my workshop? Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, now that he has his own workshop, he gets to kind of do whatever he wants. And he starts this habit he will uh, have throughout his life of starting paintings and never finishing them. Oh. I love it. Same. Love it. Love it. <laughs> if we start a project, never finish it. That's the engineering way. Yeah. And then I took Adderall, and now I actually finished my projects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, debatable if, like, putting Leo on Adderall would have been a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, damn. Or just cocaine. <laughs> yes. Um, I would like to take a slight detour to look at one of his finished paintings from this period, mm-hmm. Ginevra da Benci. Mm-hmm. And why don't we just kind of describe what we're looking at to folks um, oh, this is very... I feel like if people saw it, they'd be like, okay, I recognize that. It's a very popular painting, I believe. It's a popular painting. It kind To me, it has vibes of like Mona Lisa a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. You can kind of see... It's not quite the Mona Lisa smile. It's more of like a frown almost. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just like of a woman and then there's trees and like a river behind her and kind of like mountains and then... This woman is definitely frowning. She's like, why am I here? Yes. Please get me out. I need to take care of the business or whatever. Yes. You know, business at home, personal life. Exactly. And by the way, the actual subject of this painting had a little bit of a, of a tragic life, so I can see why. Really? Yes. Oh. Uh, she had some poetry that survived, and one of the only lines that survives out of her poetry was, I am a mountain tiger. Which basically means, like, I might look all soft and cuddly on the outside, mm-hmm. but don't fuck with me. Uh. Excuse me. Bless you. Thank you. One thing, I want to point out a couple things on this painting. One, water. That's Mm. the exact same place water will be on the Mona Lisa. Mm. But what's interesting is Leonardo, probably, like, he was obsessed with two things. They're both in this painting. The human body Mm -hmm. and water. He loved water. Obsessed with water. He put water wherever he could. Mm -hmm. Speaking of water, the other thing, oil-based paints really help. Look at the watery nature of her eyeballs. You can really see, it looks like her eyes are, like, wet. You know what I mean? Not yeah, that she's crying. Of. Yeah. But you can really tell. And that's based on this, like, oil-based paint experimentation. Oh, that is so cool. He loved... By the way, the curls of her hair, mm-hmm. when you kind of squint, almost look like a waterfall. He loved Ooh. sort of, like, making hair and water almost the they same thing. They do. Oh, my God. I didn't even... Ooh. Okay, King. I see you. I love Leonardo paintings because the sort of the closer you look and then you compare it with his notebooks, he's like doing these sketches and then they eventually end up on the paintings, but as something totally different. Oh. Um, phenomenal stuff. Yeah. 
Love to see it. <laughs> Love to see it. So hey, eventually, you know, he's in he's in Florence. He's hustling. He's grinding. I want to throw a little bit of a of a of a comparison your way. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, think of Florence at this time as how we would think of L.A., mm-hmm. Los Angeles, California. Mm-hmm. It's an artsy place. You kind of go there to make it, mm-hmm. but it's going to chew you up and it's going to spit you out. It doesn't care about your feelings. It's like a it's like a you know like a, it, imagine trying to be an actor in Hollywood or something. Yeah, it's a hard. It's a hard road. Place, yeah. What what, what did you say? It, you might be... What was your oh, Nebraska thing? It was a, oh, you might be like the the best person in your 50-town Nebraska, ta- Nebraska home, but here in L.A. and sunny L.A., you don't have the stuff to make it. <laughs> Go back to Nebraska. Like yeah, a, yeah. <laughs> the, the performing for your crowd of hillbillies. <laughs> Sorry, you have zero talent. <laughs> <laughs> Go do meth on the side of the road. <laughs> uh, yeah. <clears throat> Anyways. <laughs> anyway, um, there is a place, though, that is much more cross-disciplinary that takes art. Everybody loves art in this place, mm-hmm. but it will combine it with engineering science with the physical Ooh. arts. Ooh, okay. Yes, I'm talking about Milan. Oh. Yes, I'm talking about the place that would eventually lead to the University of Milan. Oh. <clears throat> As an aspiring polymath, Leonardi greatly valued cross-pollination. Mm-hmm. He can't just do art. He can't be satisfied with that. Mm-hmm. He's got to go and uh, go and incredible run in Florence. Mm-hmm. He did Ginevra da Benci. He did yeah. a great yeah. an aspiring young talent but his heart, I left my heart in Milan. And so when Lorenzo de' Medici starts, like, so do you know who the Medici family was? Yes. So it's powerful banking family in, mm-hmm. in Renaissance Italy. Yeah. They have total control of Florence at this point. And they're like, okay, it's time to start doing diplomatic relations to all these places, including Milan. I'm going to send like a little delegation. Oh, who's one of my best and brightest? Leonardo da Vinci. Get the fuck over here. I know you're a painter, but you're mm-hmm. also a musician. I declare that now. Here is a liar. It's an L-I-R-E. Okay? Yeah. A, you know what a liar. It's like a harp, basically. Yeah. Here's this thing. I've made it. It's in the shape of a horse head. The Duke of Milan, Ludovico Sforza, mm-hmm. big horse dude. Mm-hmm. Like his family is all about horses. Here's this horse liar. Go give this to him. Play some music for him. If he wants you on retainer, he'll give you on retainer. This is my little, like, diplomatic mission for you. Interesting. Okay. Leonardo gets that opportunity. He's like, hey, I really want to get him to Milan regardless. Fuck it. Let's get on. So he joins the sort of party going to Milan. Uh-huh. It's like they're going. He's, by the way, he designed and built an odometer. It's like one of those odometers you walk with and a wheel spins. Yeah. He made oh, one of those at so this time. Cool. He measured the distance very accurately Whoa. to Milan walking along. So that's crazy. Um, and he was like, you know what? Florence, mm-hmm. it's been real fun, real fun and all that. I'm going to Milan. I'm not coming back. <gasps> going indefinitely. So he packed all of his worldly possessions, mm-hmm. which is very interesting because he wrote all of it down in his notebooks. Yeah. So listen to this. His worldly possessions included sketches of, quote, many flowers copied from nature, some St. Jerome's, designs of furnaces, Okay. <laughs> a head of Christ done in pen. Eight St. Sebastians. He made eight paintings or like eight drawings of St. Yeah, Sebastian. Yeah. Many compositions of angels. Mm-hmm. A head in profile with beautiful hair. Gadgets for ships. Interesting. Gadgets for water. I love that. <laughs> many necks of old women and heads of old men. I'm, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> 
Many complete nudes. Wait, no, I'm still stuck on the heads. Did he actually have, like, no, decapitated... No, no, no. Oh. no, no, no. Paintings. Like, <laughs> oh, my it's, like, God. Drawings. Just, no. like, just no, got no, no. my lucky old woman head in he my did. pocket. I mean, he dissected plenty of people, right? Yeah, but he didn't but decapitate them I don't think and he take took them any, to any, Milan. I don't think he took the necks. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Many complete nudes. A Madonna finished. Mm-hmm. Another almost finished that is in profile. Mm-hmm. The head of an old man with an enormous chin. <laughs> and a narrative of the passion made in relief. End quote. So he didn't have any clothes or anything? I mean, he had a bunch of... He had all the normal stuff, too. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that was just his interesting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my jacket for winter, no. you know. He like... had manservants for all that kind of thing. Okay, fair enough. That's an interesting list. It's just a lot of art. It sounds a lot of like what sketches. was interesting to me, all the art, yes, mm-hmm. but you know, designs of furnaces, gadgets for ships, gadgets for water, mm-hmm. kind of interesting, right? Yeah. Well, he was an engineer, Paul. You got to take your gadgets for water and ships. So what's really interesting to me about this is at this time, not an engineer. This guy oh. is only known for painting. Oh. He's made some devices for theater. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. He's like made stuff. Yeah. But let's be honest here. He's not like, you know, he hasn't built. One time I had an interview. The entire interview was one question, which was, what have you built? That was, We talked about that the entire interview. Okay. And you're just crying like, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, I, don't, built I wrote something down one time. <laughs> Sorry for our listeners. I probably was so loud. <laughs> we are not adjusting that in post. Yeah, no. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't do I'll just go. I'll just go. <laughs> and they're like, dude, you got the job. Yeah, it's like, we were just testing you. Like, <laughs> um, anyway, but he gets. <laughs> So he, he basically, you know, he lo- he's kind of playing at it. And we all need to aspire to be something before we can be something, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to describe Sforza, and uh, who's the guy he's bringing this to, the Duke of Milan, Ludovico Sforza. Yeah. And then we'll kind of go into Leonardo's job application as pitch about <laughs> Did he cry as well? <laughs> I don't think he cried. We'll, we'll see. We'll oh, see about that. Oh, my God. I don't, he didn't cry. Um, I'm going to read a quote from the Isaacson book first, which will describe Sforza. So this is the guy who he's applying to the job to. So he's gotten there. He's delivered the liar. It's in the shape of a horse head. Mm-hmm. Prime time for him to like slip him a little bit of a letter that says what he can do. Mm-hmm. But who's he giving that letter to? We'll find out. Isaacson says, quote, Ruthless in a pragmatic way, Ludovico cloaked his calculated cruelty with pretenses of courtesy, culture, and civility. Tutored by distinguished Renaissance humanist Francesco Filefo, in painting and writing, he sought to legitimize his power and prestige, along with that of Milan, by attracting great scholars and artists to the Sforza court. End quote. Interesting. Okay. So I wouldn't fuck with this guy, and he's trying to build out the retinue. It sounds like he might have an opportunity for artists. Mm-hmm. Let's see how Leonardo pitches himself. Mm-hmm. Now, this is going to be a long quote. But I think this is the best way for us to, like, he just wrote the entire thing down. It's kind of like a cover letter or resume. Mm-hmm. Okay. Think about this also in the context of Leonardo has made a bunch of paintings. Ginevra da Benci, great painting. A bunch of other paintings. They're not all finished. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of this up-and-coming painter, artist, theater guy. He's made contraptions for the theater. Okay. Gotcha. <clears throat> Here's his application. Quote, mm-hmm. most illustrious lord... <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Which is how I'm starting all my job applications from here on out. You will refer to me as illustrious lord or... N- or not get the job. Or not get the job, yeah. One of the two. Quote, 
Most illustrious lord, having now sufficiently having now sufficiently studied the inventions of all those who proclaim themselves skilled contrivers of instruments of war, and having found that these instruments are no different than those in common use, I shall be bold enough to offer, with all due respect to the others, my own secrets to your excellency, and to demonstrate them at your convenience. One. There's going to be ten items. Okay. One. I have designed extremely light and strong bridges, adapted to be easily carried, and with them you may pursue and at any time flee from the enemy, and others, indestructible by fire and battle, easy to lift and place, also methods of burning and destroying those of the enemy. Oh, so this is his resume. This is his, like, whole, whole shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> Two. I know how, during a siege, to take the water out of the trenches and make an infinite variety of bridges, covered ways, ladders, and other machines suitable to such expeditions. Ooh. Three. If a place under siege cannot be reduced by bombardment because of the height of its banks or the strength of its position, I have methods for destroying any fortress, even if it is founded upon solid rock. Mm. Four. I have kinds of cannons, convenient and easy to carry, that can fling small stones, almost resembling a hailstorm, and smoke of these will cause great terror to the enemy, to his great detriment and confusion. The catapult? Is that what he's talking about? Like a catapult? A cannon, catapult, something like that. Mm-hmm. Nine. That's right. This guy doesn't play by the rules. He put nine after four. What? <laughs> I think he moved the item up in the draft. Uh-huh. And when the fight is at sea, I have many kinds of efficient machines for offense and defense, and vessels that will resist the attack of the largest guns, and powder, and fumes. Five. He went back to the right <laughs> I have ways of making, without noise, underground tunnels and secret winding passages to arrive at a desired point, even if it is necessary to pass underneath trenches or a river. Hmm. Six. I will make unassailable armored chariots that can penetrate the ranks of the enemy with their artillery, and there is no body of soldiers so great it could withstand them. And behind these, infantry could follow, quite unhurt. (laughs) Seven. In case of need, I will make cannons and artillery of beautiful and useful design that are different from those in common use. Hmm. Eight. Where bombardment will not work, I can devise catapults, mangonels, caltrops, and other effective machines not in common use. Oh, okay. Ten. In times of peace, I can give perfect satisfaction and be the equal of any other in architecture and the composition of buildings public and private, and in guiding water from one place to the other. We'd love to see it. This is a little footnote. Also, I can execute sculpture in marble, bronze, and clay. Likewise, in painting, I can do everything possible, as well as any other man, whosoever he may be. Moreover, work could be undertaken on the bronze horse. This is like a bronze sculpture that is like a horse thing. Okay. Which will be to the immortal glory and eternal honor of his lordship, your father, and of the illustrious house of Sforza. And if any of the above-mentioned things seem impossible or impractical to anyone, I am most readily disposed to demonstrate them in your park or in whatsoever place shall please your excellency. End quote. Like to see it. What did What did the guy say? Well, you got the job, obviously. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to not hire that guy. Like, How old is Da Vinci? He's like 20. He's like he's like 24. He's like, in mid-20, he's like a 20-something. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. By the way, he couldn't do any of this. Like, <laughs> this is not real. Like, he read a few books. Like, he's, like, he's, he's like pitching himself as the CEO of Lockheed Martin. Like... He doesn't, he, I love at the end how he's just like, he's like, likewise in painting, I can do everything possible. Like, that is what he's known for. Like, you spent like one sentence on that. And the rest of this thing, he's 
never designed any of this stuff. He's made shit for the theater. Like, I love it. I took one class, therefore I am an expert. It's like, it's like study abroad kids or something. You know? They come back like, oh, the Europe. Uh-huh. You don't even know. You can't get pasta like this in the United States. And it's like ten years later, they're still going on and on about their... It's like, we get it, you peaked. Yeah. <laughs> You're three months in, like, Europe or whatever. It's like, wow, congratulations. I didn't leave my hotel. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I got Uber Eats most days. I love it. He's just just grinding and lying. Sometimes we gotta, like, you know, pretend. You gotta fake it till you make it sometimes, you know? And, uh, yeah, he couldn't do ideas. He read a couple books on military engineering. He's just like, that doesn't seem that hard. I can do it. I can do it. Um, So... And look, uh, Leonardo uh, was kind of doing a little bit of tailoring your resume. Mm-hmm. Sforza, as we had just mentioned, he was not like known as a patron of the arts. Like he was trying to do that to build out his court. Mm-hmm. But um, Leonardo was kind of tailoring the resume. It's what you do on LinkedIn, right? It's like this job needs these skills. Okay, well I have you know something close. To this. Let's right. not double click on any of this. But like yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. don't look too deep. <laughs> yeah, no, don't don't look too deep. I also believe there's a deeper reason, which is Leonardo, as we mentioned before, had a lot of interests. And while he often started learning things to improve his art, he would end up loving them for their own sake. Engineering, science. You know, he's an amazing painter, but I have to imagine at some point you're, like, painting stuff. You're just like, dang, I wish I could, like, make this in real life, you know? And I think that was how how that would be for him. Mm -hmm. Whatever he did, it worked. Sforza welcomed him into his court, and Leonardo began to live and work in one of the most cross-disciplinary places... In Europe. Oh, University of Milan is still thriving. Uh, yes. Right? Kind of, not really. That Like, the, I, like the precursor to the oh, University okay. of Milan. Yes. But yeah. the, the vibe and the spirit of Milan, that's all alive and well. Got it. <laughs> now, let's stay in Milan for a while, because to me, this is where the most interesting engineering stuff happens. So let's go over his greatest hits of Milan, <laughs> including his military work, okay? Mm-hmm. Because he gets there, and... Well, let's just talk about it. We're we're gonna go over a lot of his military designs. So sometimes when you fake it till you make it, mm-hmm. you make it, but then you get stuck faking it. And what I mean is, Leonardo really wanted to be a military engineer, and he made so many of these dope designs that probably would have worked that we're gonna go over. Yeah. At the end of the day, as you know, you know my bias. We've done fifty podcast episodes together. Yeah. I love innovative designs. I think they're amazing. Mm-hmm. I think they're beautiful. And it's it takes a mind like Leonardo to take it from the realm of not existing to being a real thing you could potentially build. Yeah. To me, um You're a manufacturing engineer. It's like it's like you gotta make the thing, right? Yeah, exactly. That's my and by the way, one is not worse than the other. I'm just admitting my bias here at the outset. Honestly, I can I totally understand, you know. It's you're it could stay on paper for the rest of your life and you know. Most of these did. That's the only thing I'm trying to say. So mm. I would say Leonardo was a master designer, mm-hmm. an incredible designer. Somebody and if you don't have a Leonardo, you're never gonna have the innovative designs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't want to take anything away from his accomplishments, but from what I've seen, not all of this stuff really got built. There's one big exception. I'm Basically, I'm going to make clear the stuff that really got built, and uh, I'm also... Most of the stuff we can assume was amazing designs on paper in notebooks 
To my knowledge. Yeah. You need a Paul Cipperoni to balance out your Leonardo. <laughs> I think I think in my heart and my soul, I have a Leonardo. Mm-hmm. But I also would say that like, if you want things to happen in real life, in a certain way, you need to play the game. And you need to, you know, secure the funding. You need to think about how you're really going to make this. You need to become Tony Stark, maybe. By being born rich. <laughs> well, Leonardo was, so... <laughs> Yeah, kind of. <laughs> In a way. In a way. Um, Richer than us, probably. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, You know, it's not like Vinci's really a, a super hub. Yeah, anything. it's not a, a poppin'. You got a good start. Look, I think we got a good start. You That's know? fair. Okay, well, anyways, we're, anyways, we're getting off track. <laughs> getting off track. My only point is that most of the stuff is going to be amazing kind of prototyping stuff, but we will be clear when stuff actually got built. Okay. Let's start with something that did get built, because this thing's actually amazing. This is the military engineering section of... By the way, he wasn't just a military engineer. We're going to start with military engineering and then go out to all... In, in He spent 17 years in Milan, mm-hmm. in Sforza's court. Mm-hmm. He was just... He, he was doing all this engineering. He was making paintings. He was writing plays. Ooh. Little anecdotes. Little mm-hmm. puns. He would play pranks. We were talking about the pranks earlier. There were dudes in this court... And Sorry, total tangent. There were dudes in this court who would make these like predictions. They would go like... Ah, oh, I need to warn you. The end of the world. It's upon us. <laughs> and Leonardo would like run up and like do these kinds of like things. And then he'd be he'd be like, he, I can't remember one offhand, but he would say something like, like you know, like a great cloud will go over the the world and put it in shadow. And what I mean is that like I just farted. Or something. <laughs> it'd be like that kind of thing, you know. <laughs> He was a little goofy guy. He's, He's a little, little class clown. Guy. He's a little class clown. Though, right? Oh um, my god. He's just like making fun of these guys. But one thing, one thing that I want to do, say a big exception to his sort of designs not making off the page, is the wheel lock. And you might be wondering what a wheel lock is. What is a wheel lock? Imagine like an old timey <laughs> pistol. So like mm-hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean when they like shoot it and it goes like boom and all that smoke comes out and you get like one shot off of it. What happens with those kind of pistols is when you pull the trigger, a spring moves a metal wheel and makes it scrape against a stone. That causes a spark, that ignites gunpowder, and that fires a bullet out of the pistol. Okay. There's a super good chance... that So this technology was developed around this time. Mm-hmm. There's a super good chance Leonardo was one of the first, if not the first person to come up with this. Ooh. And he had one of his assistants who was a German guy mm-hmm. in his workshop. He still had his workshop. He took all his people over with him okay. to Milan. Got it. And he had a guy in his workshop who was German, and then the guy left and went back to Germany, and all of a sudden the stuff starts popping up in Germany, too. So it's kind of like a little traceable thing, where it's like, it kind of looks like he could get a lot of the credit for this invention, or maybe all of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it, got it, got it. So that's an amazing thing. Now let's talk about some wild shit. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about some crazy shit. First, let's imagine that your name, Anna Close, is not Anna Close. Okay. Giovanni. Let's imagine your name is Giovanni. Okay. You're in an army. You're laying siege to a castle. Mm-hmm. You lay your ladders against the walls of the castle, and you're starting climbing. Okay, so it's like imagine like Helm's Deep, and it's like ah, there's like dudes yeah. like going crazy, and you're like climbing. You're like oh my god, I'm almost at the top. I'm a, I'm gonna make it. And then all of a sudden, your ladder is like leaning against the wall, and this giant rod comes out and pushes your ladder, uh, and your ladder falls off the wall, and it goes like ah, and you yeah. fall. And mm-hmm. best case, you get paralyzed, and someone dude chops your fucking head off. Probably you just die. Yeah. But basically, Leonardo came up with this thing that was like, uh, you're like on the wall and like behind the wall. So you're like climbing up this ladder 
and then you have this rod thingy, oh. and I got guys like pulling like ropes, and it like pushes the ladders off. So this is a screenshot straight from his notebook, by the way. You can see uh, the backwards writing up here, and he's like describing oh, interesting. everything. Interesting. Okay, I see. So this ladder, there's um, there's like something against the wall that's preventing the ladder from from connecting to the wall. So yes, but really the 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 bigger portion of that is that this actually like this whole thing moves. So like oh. he's pulling this, which pushes this out, and this ladder like gets now it's falling over. Okay, I see, I see. Yeah. Wow. So, so it's like a push pull device to get the ladders off the wall. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So so look, you're you're um you you fall to your death and you're dead. Mm -hmm. Too bad for Giovanni. Let's switch positions uh, on another ladder. Okay. Let's call. Uberto. You could be anything, right? <laughs> Uber Rob Ro Roberto. Roberto. You, yeah. could be, you could have any name. Mm -hmm. But you, you're climbing. You're like, okay, okay. Too bad about that guy. I'm almost <laughs> at the top. These guys are still resetting the thing. I'm going to make it. Yeah. Wah! You like throw yourself off the top or, or over the top of the thing. You're like, yeah. you made it. I made it. I'm I'm making it. And then there's a giant fucking helicopter plane <laughs> on the top of the wall. Slash. And then. Oh, no. Oh, and you die. That would um, suck. Why? Why? Mamma mia! As you're like falling to your death. My lord, why? So it's like, what this was one of his designs. It's like a thing that goes on top of the wall. It's a giant spinning blade. So like, even if you get to the top, you just get your head cut off. This guy is sick. I love him. Dude, let me show you this other thing. So we can just go over the picture for this one. These chariots, where it was these like scythe chariots. Did I not save this? Oh, I totally did. So like, basically... Uh, let me show you what this. What the fuck? Yeah, so like you're running with these chariots and you just have these things. Look at these guys. This dude doesn't have legs. Like, <laughs> like it's like these like extremely detailed folks. It's this uh, drawing of like this chariot and this guy's running on it and there's this mm -hmm. spinny scythe blade in front of it and there's these like enemy combatants and these guys are just getting cut to pieces. Oh my God. Like they're like, ah, and you can like see like that guy's face. He's like, oh. Why? Why, God? Not Leonardo da Vinci. I'd like to remind you, this is the guy who became a vegetarian <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let birds go. Honestly, I get it. I'm the same. I cry when horses die in movies, and then like someone like very important to the plot dies. I'm like, eh. Yeah. You so know. be it. So yeah. By the way, if you don't want to see dead horses, do not watch the Napoleon movie. Yeah, that was really sad. I told my mom not to. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh. Let's say anyway, you're now you're on the wall and you're mm -hmm. fighting for the other team. Yeah. And you're like, wow, we're really kicking these guys' ass, you know? Yeah. And um and you're pretty sure the battle's about to end. Uh-oh. What happens though? The other enemies, what do they bring around the corner? Uh -oh. This gigantic 80-foot crossbow. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> Nobody would ever build this. Like, why would you even <laughs> this so is Cannons even exist at this point. Like, like, why would? You, but it's like, look, this is like a human for scale right here. Oh my god! This is a massive freaking thing. It, it like pulls. By the way, he got the math right. He didn't even have trigonometry, but he knew that if you like had this, he mm -hmm. accurately sort of estimated the amount you can throw like a hundred pounds of stones this way. Mm -hmm. Um, freaking crazy, dude. I don't know who would ever build this. No but. one in their right mind would, but I yeah. love it. I want one. Where do I, want I get one. one? I don't know. I don't know where you get one. Actually, they built one for a TV special in 2002. Oh. Never got it to work. Question. Did he write... So, did he write backwards with his left hand so it didn't smear when he exactly. wrote the normal? Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. And um, I, there was also maybe it was like some kind of code or something, mm. but like... 
put it up to a mirror. Like, I yeah, don't think that would really do anything. it's not really that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was just easier for him. Yeah. Um, by the way, one last military design that I think is kind of cool. Um, kind of a proto-machine gun. So, it's like you have one cannon, right? You fire the cannon mm-hmm. to the wall. Okay, now you got to, like, reload it. Mm-hmm. It's got to cool off. you got to do everything, prep it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long that takes, but the cycle time on that is way too high. So... <sighs> What do I do? I have now a row of cannons. We can push them all in one row. It's like 11 cannons across. Mm-hmm. Boom, 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 boom. You know, you're firing at all times. Yeah. You think that's enough? No. <laughs> we have 11 cannons and now racks and racks of those oh cannons. It's just a God. wall of cannons. <laughs> and you can just fire. Boom, 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 boom. Like, you're always firing. It was actually a proto machine gun, but just with cannons. <laughs> Hey, don't make me take out the the cannon wall. The, I'm, I keep that thing on me. It's over there. Yeah, it's, please stand still for about ten minutes. Just stay right there. Yeah. You'll be sorry. I keep that thing on me. Um. God, I love him. So now let's take the total opposite tack and talk about public sanitation. (laughs) Sounds good. Um, So, uh, military engineering, that's how he sold himself. That's how he gets into the court. Mm -hmm. That's not the only thing he's obsessed with, not by a long shot. Um, He was really interested in building what are called today utopian cities, or Mm. we might call them model cities. Mm -hmm. If anyone knows what Prospera is in Honduras, it's like something like that. It's like a special zone where it's like basically, Leonardo was like talking to the Duke and he's like, hey, let's take the population of Milan. I want to split it into 10 separate cities. They're all going to be along the banks of this river, okay? Leonardo beat Jon Snow to the punch, to be totally honest. He made the connection that... uh, so uh, Milan had a bubonic plague outbreak, actually. Aww. 1480s. He realized he used his scientific background to correctly surmise that that bubonic plague outbreak was the result of poor sanitation. So they knew even in like yes. 1400s, 1500s. So th- this is, b- but maybe it takes a Leonardo to know. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So like one of the things that I think I'm really getting from the podcast is that progress is very nonlinear. And that it's not like we reach a certain technological point and we're there forever. Mm-hmm. We can know, we can have like the top of our game, who's Leonardo. We can have this guy know in the 1500s that's the case. You go forward 300 years, the general populace still thinks it's miasma, right? Yeah. And by the way, we should mention, we're referring to the Jon Snow show that, that you did, which was phenomenal. Episode 19, right? The real Jon Snow? I think so. Yeah. It was like two episodes. Check it out. Both of them were great. <laughs> yeah. But in that episode, the people of London, which, by the way, it's London, so we're batting at a handicap here. (laughs) Hey, you leave them alone. (laughs) Look, maybe don't colonize the world. Um, We're also both part Irish. We get it. We're with you. Well, not with the British. Not with the British. (laughs) We hate hate them, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. (laughs) So, but anyway, I guess my point is, like, you have the the general people who think one thing, right? Mm -hmm. But other... Like, if you're maybe, if you're so much more educated than the average person, mm-hmm. you might put this together literally 300 years before the general public will. Yeah, but I'm almost wondering, like, in 100 years, people are probably going to look back at our time and be like, wow, you probably shouldn't have put plastic in everything because now there's microplastics in everyone's blood. Right. But it's like, we know that that's bad. It's just, we don't, we 
don't yeah. have the influence or like the power necessarily to do anything about it. Yeah, you're making a way more precise point than I was making. And honestly, I think that what I would respond to that with is that often the people who know better, quote unquote, mm-hmm. or maybe not even better, but who might have more context are not in the position. It's like we were talking about. Maybe sometimes you have to play the game to be able to have some kind of influence. You yeah. Know? It's like in Roman times, they had lead piping for water. It's like yeah. you either <clears throat> die of dehydration in three days or yeah. you die of lead poisoning in 30 years. So Yeah. And, and, you know, I think neither of us are utopians in the sense of like, we understand that like you have to make some compromises. That mm-hmm. just makes sense. Yeah. I would say, especially in terms of things like plastics, and I don't think you disagree with this, like we should always be pushing on the margin to be like, no, we can be doing better. Yeah. I Um, don't want microplastics in my blood. We have microplastics in our blood right now. I know. It sucks. I'm not cool with that. It's not fun. (laughs) It's not sexy. (laughs) (laughs) I can't get a man. Microplastics in my blood. I just like go to to the bar and the bartender is like, how are you? Like, Damn it! Microplastics in my blood! <laughs> That's probably the least of what a bartender has to deal with on a daily basis. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway, so, um, yeah, he he's way ahead of the game on public sanitation. And he's like, okay, water, as a water engineer, he was not a water engineer. <laughs> it's like, as a water engineer, water is the source of life. Mm-hmm. We need to increase access to water. Mm-hmm. So we'll take this population that is not, like, getting that much access to water. We're going to put everyone distributed across this river, mm-hmm. right? And we're essentially going to have 10 cities, and each city has two levels, okay? On the top level is where your homes are, your public spaces, your walkways, Think of, like, a futuristic, modern, like, smart city, kind of. Hmm. On the bottom is the scum, the sewers, (laughs) the lower things. Yeah. You drop trash down there. You drop poop down there. Mm -hmm. It all routes to the river. So, look, we're still dropping shit in rivers and everything. Well, we still are today, so. Yeah, exactly. So, it's like, but at least, you know, it's not the top level. Um, By the way, down there with all the crap and stuff, commerce. (laughs) 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 The scum. (laughs) Which, like. Poverty stricken. <laughs> I don't think he was a very pro populist guy. Okay. Um, especially being kind of a weirdo himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but homes would have a top level entrance for guests, but like you let the plumber in through like, the bottom <laughs> entrance, right? Got it. Um, by the way, connecting the top and bottom levels would be spiral staircases. Ooh. Why spiral? One, he loves curved shapes, mm-hmm. they're beautifully, they're aesthetic. Two, Italians love pissing in corners. Like, it's just like, it's a thing. What the fuck? And this pissed off Leonardo. He's like, you're not going to have any corner. I can't give you a corner in these staircases because you are going to piss it in. Oh, that laugh that just came out. I've never had that laugh before in my life. I'm just like, Italians are known for pissing in corners. And Leonardo is like a pure Italian, and his paintings, the people's arms are going crazy. They're gesticulating so wildly. Last Supper, everyone's arms are like in different positions. And they've got the the classic. Oh, they got the the hands. The one guy doing like the point, the upward point thing. That's Uh like one step away from From like the 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 the, Mamma Mia, the the Mamma Mia hand. Everybody's that that (laughs) hand thingy, right? Like doing it, like trying to describe (laughs) it. It's going into the microphone somehow. The back and forth Mamma Mia hands. Yes. Yeah, there's an emoji for it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, like, he's like, not only are we going to have spiral staircases, you piss-friendly fucks, we're going to have 
restrooms right next to the entrance <laughs> to the staircase. So you have no excuse, okay? I'm pissed up. <laughs> I'm still That's why you just like pee like as you're walking and <laughs> yeah. make a spiral pee. Hey, Leonardo, piss on this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's got the cannon wall so i probably wouldn't fuck with him <laughs> no not at all he would vaporize you with his cannon wall <laughs> i'm now just all lead <laughs> <laughs> i'm like two percent blood <laughs> um dude he literally had a cannon wall that's oh. insane anyways forza was like no i'm not gonna disperse my entire fucking city's population that's insane <laughs> oh damn it so none of this happened by the way i personally think if this had happened you probably have less bubonic plague. You, I think I a know. lot of these suggestions are pretty good. Like, yeah. They're ergonomic. They're beautiful. But they're sending not poop out to the water, like, that's not good, you know? I mean, Milan's already kind of doing that, mm. right? So it's like, you might as well t- distribute it. Again, this is like, we're playing the game, you know? It's like, do you want the perfect solution? Because this is like the perfect solution and it never happened, right? Yeah, that's Well, true. maybe this isn't even the perfect solution. Maybe that's why I wish they would have taken this, is this was already <laughs> compromising, but it was compromising in the right places. So I have a question. So the the water that would be used for drinking and everything, would it be f- up higher from the river and then the poop would go down? That I don't know. Okay. I have no clue. I would hope so. Because I'm thinking like if it's a river that's running down and then into like a... Uh, like a um, it connects to like an ocean or something like yeah. that. If you take water from the higher up and mm-hmm. then like distribute it through the town and then all the waste goes at the bottom where yeah. it doesn't connect, go back, you know, into the river where people are drinking the water, then yeah. that could be, that could be fine. I want to be completely clear that I'm not a hundred percent sure his design even has the poop going into the river. Okay. Which I think I was confusing about earlier. Mm-hmm. I would say that. First of all, the suggestion you gave is something like the way his brain works, right? So he knows so much about water. Mm -hmm. He knows how flow works. He knows hydraulics. Mm -hmm. Like, and he knows already that this is a sanitation issue. That's like why he has this whole solution. Yeah. So I would have to assume he factored something like that in. Okay. I'm the Leonardo da Vinci. I'm not Italian, but it's okay. That's okay. Um... We got a couple more things, and then uh, we, we have, like, three more projects, I think, to, to talk about, I'd love to. Yes. Okay. So, and by projects, I mean big, sort of, like, overall things. Okay. So, Leonardo, chief military officer, mm-hmm. chief sanitation officer, this is all in his own mind. Yeah. In real life, his real job was, like... Chief emotional support funny guy. (laughs) He was kind of working on all this stuff on the side. Got it. Okay. And part of his job was to work on big plays and festivals to celebrate the Sforza family. Okay. Mm -hmm. This was, in my opinion, the perfect place for Leonardo to operate. It seems to me that his love of artistic elements of plays and festivals was matched by his love for the technical elements. Let's do a little rundown of some of the neat contraptions he came up with. Okay? Mm-hmm. He had a play with the god Mercury. Okay? Yes. And Mercury, like, descends from the heavens above to, like, talk to all the, like, people in the play. Mm-hmm. How does he do that? A rope and pulley <gasps> system divined by Leonardo. Ooh. So he's, like, standing there and he, like, gets let down kind of Ooh, in this crazy way. that is so cool. That's a Leonardo original. There's also an effect where the god Jupiter is on the stage and he's mm-hmm. like... I'm out of here. And <laughs> bye. Bye, bye, bitch. And then all of a sudden, crack, and he transforms into gold dust. 
and you can't even see where the guy went. It's like, boom, and he's just a rain of gold dust. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? I don't even know. I don't think we even know as a society, but mm-hmm. he came up. He was like an early VFX pioneer, essentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's another one. Moving stages. This was really interesting to me. So you're watching the play. The stage rotates. It starts as like a sphere and then it like rotates outwards as the element of the story are all going crazy. Actors are standing in it while it happens. It's like moving around. It's like, whoa, it's going crazy on me. He designed all of this. He designed all this. By the way, all of the things we're talking about, like he didn't just make a giant picture of a crossbow. Mm -hmm. He like went to such insane levels. That crossbow picture I showed you was one of 40. He designed all the bevel gears, the spiral gears, the worm gears, the tension. He did the math. He didn't even have trigonometry. And he got to, like, a really, really nice (laughs) estimate of, like, the force and how it can move and everything. That is so cool. Insane stuff. Absolutely insane stuff. By the way, mechanical devices, theater, moving scenery, moving props. Everything's moving around in the background and all this kind of crazy stuff. Man, I would give anything to see a play with Leonardo da Vinci. This literally (laughs) made me think, like, there were people... the world who got to see that like imagine i know that. like i'm jealous i'm jealous. <laughs> all jealous i didn't even know they had stuff like this at that time to be totally honest yeah i wonder so with the jupiter guy i wonder if there was something where you could like throw it down on the ground and, and like, like smoke, smoke and stuff yeah and then you just like stand over like a panel that it reminds me through the floor we've seen the prestige it yeah, reminds me yeah, of the prestige yeah 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 that's lot. what i was thinking that's what i was thinking i would imagine that's where they came from wouldn't you agree yeah <laughs> <laughs> Okay, cool. Um, There is one last engineering item in Leonardo's repertoire Mm -hmm. that I think we'd be remiss if we did not mention. Okay. The flying machine. (gasps) The flying machine. You've heard of it. You've seen it. Mm -hmm. Maybe dreamed about it in those naughty dreams. Those wet dreams? (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to be subtle. (laughs) I am not. I'm not a subtle person. (laughs) Leonardo, simply put, was obsessed with flight. And I know I've said that about, like, five things. Like, he was obsessed with that. He really was. He was, like, he was, like, unhealthily obsessed, like, to a huge amount of, like, Mm -hmm. many, many things. Okay. The human body, hydraulic engineering, painting, Mm -hmm. yes, flight. Well, well before and well after his time in Milan... He was writing about flight, studying flight. He noticed the birds. He would watch. He was such an avid bird watcher. He was like one of the top bird watchers in Italy. He was like such a bird. He was noticing like that it moves like slower and faster on the way up and down, you know? Dude, that's what I, I wanted my New Year's resolution to be like get into bird watching. (laughs) Well, you would be in great company with this guy. Oh yeah. Something in his notebook that was kind of interesting to me, quote, study the anatomy of the wings of a bird together with the breast muscles that move those wings. Do the same for man to show the possibility that man could sustain himself in the air by the flapping of wings. Mm. That's right. He was trying to get the human to fly. But that's kind of possible. It's kind of possible. Because we have those suits, you know? Those, yes. What is it? Squirrel monkeys. Or not squirrel. Flying monkey. squirrels. F- flying yeah. squirrel suits. Aren't? Isn't the death rate on that, like, huge? Yes, <laughs> it is. But it's Hell a yeah. good time. <laughs> it's a good time. <laughs> One of the things that's kind of interesting, I didn't take a screenshot of this, but in his notebooks, the musculature of our arms mm-hmm. is actually semi-similar to the, like, the musculature of a wing of a bird. Ooh. So he was like, all you'd need to do is have these machines here, and then you'd basically be able to uh, like accomplish the same effect by flapping your arms, you know? Mm-hmm. This, essenti- this obsession would eventually lead him into the realms of fluid dynamics and the laws of motion. Oh. His interest began in the theater. This blew my mind. 
But, and I, I think I already said this, but even at this time, people were using rope and pulley systems to make machines that would lift actors so they would, like, ascend and descend onto stages. Yeah. I don't know why at this time, like, I'm like, okay, it's the 1500s, obviously you don't have, like, machines moving people. Mm-hmm. Completely wrong. They totally did. Yeah. Which is insane to me. But he also did a lot of really detailed bird studies himself, Leonardo did, which led him to foreshadow the early work of Newton and Bernoulli on fluid dynamics. Oh, okay. Absolutely crazy. And then, um... He was like, okay, so I've studied the motion of birds. I've done the arm thing. I'm really convinced I can find a way for humans to replicate flight. I'm going to come up with some flying machines. We're going to look at two of them. So the first one is crazy. So you're standing in this dome thingy and you're operating this like Bowflex looking thing. And then that operates these like dragonfly wings. That thing is crazy. Don't do that. Yeah, I don't, I would not. (laughs) There's like a ladder kind of going up into it or something. Mm -hmm. That one's insane. What I think makes a lot more sense is this one. And we're looking at one that's like, you're kind of, it's a little different, but you're like here and you're operating these wings through like this lever basically. Ooh, they kind of look like dragon wings or like bat, bat wings. It's a great wing. I honestly think that like this one makes a lot of sense. A lot of this flight stuff when thinking about it, it's like, why would that not work in principle? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe it would. I don't know. But his designs, anyway, are, are super cool. Definitely, in my opinion, inspired by the theater. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, never built, as far as I know. Aww. We went through, or I went through that chapter, and Isaacson uh, basically said, hey, he never really got to work. But then again, we haven't 500 years later. So Yeah, that is true. So it's Don't knock it, buddy. Yeah, possible it's possible it's possible anything's possible yeah because i feel like with bats like that that one image that you showed where it kind of looked like like bat wings yeah i feel like their body mass is pretty heavy compared to exactly so if you just made the wings giant yeah like why couldn't you do that and then you just you just apply that to a human and the the wings would have to be huge but like i don't see there's there's a and and you know controversial figure obviously engineering history podcast mm-hmm. there is an elon muskism i do uh, like okay. i do like this expression right okay it's yeah like, the laws of physics are absolute everything else is just a suggestion you mm-hmm. know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's like if it works in the physical realm the, the elon muskism is really a refinement of the work of a guy named david deutsch mm-hmm. and deutsch has this expression i'll butcher it but it's something like if something is permitted by the laws of physics, then the only reason you can't do it is a lack of knowledge, essentially. Yeah. So basically, you're just investing to get that knowledge. Well, maybe Elon Muskism should be, hey, don't buy Twitter, and then <laughs> <laughs> transform it into something that no one likes. <laughs> I wonder if Leonardo would be active on Twitter if he was if he was around at the time. Oh, yeah. Would we have him, and maybe he would do less work because he was obsessed with Twitter? Um, as an ADHD girly, I can guarantee yes. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> so, uh, all these things are amazing. I do, and this is the Engineering History Podcast, that is sort of the greatest hits of the Florence engineering period. Mm-hmm. I think we've basically gone over all of the rest of his greatest hits, like the hydraulic engineering, his work with Machiavelli and Borgia and stuff. Yeah. I do think we'd be remiss to not mention The Last Supper, because... Mona Lisa is absolutely his opus and his masterwork and, you know, more art-focused podcasts than us have covered Mona Lisa. Yeah. I would like to go over Last Supper because personally it's actually one of my favorite paintings. Mm-hmm. Just okay, in general. no, 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 let's do it, let's do it. So, uh, and one thing I should let you know, Last Supper is, um, is, an actu- is actually a scene. And, and by what I mean by that is like, it's not just them at the Last Supper, it's actually a narrative. And what it is, is 
the picture so do you know the story of the last supper yeah, like, yeah, I'm Jesus gets the yeah. homies they're all mm-hmm. eating dinner and mm-hmm. then he drops a truth bomb on them they go to Olive Garden all sit on one side of yes. the table <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> there's unlimited breadsticks <laughs> and wine yeah um <laughs> But uh, but but um, in the painting, the the narrative nature of the painting. So one of the things Leonardo is, is really good at is observation. He would people watch a lot, and he would see. And because he had done so many dissections, he knew the muscles. Like if you're surprised, he knows what muscles to show in your Ooh. face to like show that versus like you're sulking and like there's mm-hmm. different neck muscles that come out even when your eyebrows like do this, right? Ooh, he understands the comp- composition of the human face. neck and head and, and the face. entire body yeah. really. So he would actually all of his. Uh, humans, he would draw them nude first. He would he would actually draw them as skeletons, then add the muscles, then add skin, then add clothes. My guy. So he would go okay. literally from the inside out. Okay, I like it. So Last Supper is a narrative, and I'll show you the painting as we're talking. Mm-hmm. So Last Supper is a narrative. In the Last Supper, Christ says at one point, one of you will betray me. And this painting is immediately after he says that. So you can see, this is Peter right here, and he's immediately grabbing this guy's shoulder, and he's like, who the fuck is it? We need to kick this guy's ass. Yeah. This is Judas right here. You can see he's actually holding a small money bag, and that's actually, some people think that's the money he was given to portray Jesus, or that's like a, a precursor to that. Ah. Right? And you have these guys in the back just like, what did he just say? And like, what? You know, and like this guy's like, no, it couldn't be me. Like, <laughs> you know, like everybody has this like, you know, everybody's animated. Everybody's gesticulated. Christ is still just chill. He's like just dropping that casually, mm-hmm. you know. So he's really good at displaying all this stuff. But there's also a lot of technical uh, sort of depth here. For example, the perspective lines of the painting all go to one point, which, by the way, is actually Christ's head. So Ooh. if you look at the perspective, everything's actually like building towards Christ being in the middle of the painting. Yeah. Um, we've gone over that. We've gone over the animation. Uh, there's a couple more notes I wanted to see. Expressions, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Um, this painting was actually made on a wall. So this is an example. I mentioned before that he would experiment with different kinds of paints and stuff. Mm-hmm. Didn't always work out. This is one of the cases. Because he did it on the wall of a dining hall. Normally how you do this is you make the wall wet and then you immediately paint everything on and you Uh let it dry. Mm -hmm. But Leonardo, as you mentioned, like you can't even see the brush strokes. He would literally, he would do these things where he would work on this painting furiously for like, like 10 hours a day days straight and then he would take days where he would just look at it and maybe do like one brush stroke you know days for months actually at one point he had the whole painting finished except he didn't have judas's face and he didn't have christ's face because he couldn't find good models Mm -hmm. and it was in this monastery and the head of the monastery came up to him and he was just like when are you gonna finish this fucking painting (laughs) (laughs) and leonardo was like actually i'm still i haven't found a guy for like judas like to be the fucking judas guy Uh i think i just found him (laughs) (laughs) yeah i like the cut of your gym why don't you stand there yeah Yeah. (laughs) Pose for me, (laughs) pussy. (laughs) So, but anyway, (laughs) uh, but yeah, but one as a result, right? He like he needed to find a way to paint on a wall in his style, which was to do it all over a really long period of time. Mm -hmm. So he experimented with his paint, did not work at all. So even like Mm. like maybe within his lifetime, a few decades later, it's already peeling off. So it's been this insane hassle to try to restore it, and like even we're not even sure this is how like exactly how it originally looked. But this is, like, the best guess we've gotten. Oh, man. That's awful. Yeah. That's the price of innovation, you know? Yeah. Wasn't there... Oh, my my mom loves this movie um, with Nicolas Cage. 
and he's like a history guy. National Treasure. No, 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 no. Oh, no, it's not Nicolas Cage. It's someone else. Oh, I'm so da sorry. Da Vinci Code. Da Vinci Code. Yeah. Yes. She lo- it's that. That's not Nick Cage. Who is it? Tom Hanks? I think it's Tom Hanks. I've never seen the movie. Um... Yeah, she. Well, I mean, I really like the movie too. But there's like that whole thing where this is That's Mary, Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, and like the yeah. V is like a woman. Like the, there's like that V shape in between them. No, that's real. I didn't think so yeah. <laughs> Most even the like the one thing that gets brought up. I think it's in Da Vinci Code. But one thing that does get brought up is Fibonacci sequence. Mm-hmm. So like all of his paintings follow like the Fibonacci sequence. Yeah. Likely that's a coincidence. Like that's probably yeah. not actually true. I mean, so. you could look at anything. You could look yeah. at trash on the street and be like, oh, it's a Fibonacci. The code, you know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> putting fluoride in, fluoride in the water to make the freaking frogs gay. It's like that onion article where it's like, should we stop putting uh, <laughs> chemicals in the water? To, no, it was like, should we stop putting secret codes in like random books, <laughs> yeah. you know, for the government? <laughs> like, it's yeah. like, should, should the government stop signaling people through random codes in books? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Oh, and then that video uh, where it's like. Um, Oh, it was an, another Onion video. They used to do these really funny, hilarious, like funny 10, sketches. Years ago. Yeah, and it and it, it was something along the lines of like these news yeah, anchors, yeah, yeah. and they were like, "See, the you can help your friends or family who have schizophrenia <laughs> by like leaving clues around the house, yeah. and then you know, like um, just giving them little puzzles to <laughs> occupy their time. Yeah, or uh, or um." Getting them books and writing in secret uh, messages yeah, to them. Yeah, like yeah. just something like I that. I think we're talking like, about the same video. Yeah, yeah. Or like while they're asleep, whispering, the government is trying yeah. to get you. Yes. <laughs> oh man, I uh, love the onion. Solid, solid stuff. <laughs> Speaking of loving things, hey Anna, um, mm-hmm. look, that's that's pretty much all I got. Wow. So that was age zero to twenty-five. That's age zero to actually, like, way later. Because um, he gets... He's, like, 25 when he opens his own studio in Florence. But mm-hmm. when he goes to Milan, he's, like, 30. Mm-hmm. And he spends, like, 17 years there. So that's actually to, like, mid-40s. Interesting. Okay. So uh, we can give a little recap of the rest of his life. I don't know if the rest of his life really needs another engineering history podcast. I don't know. I feel like it might. It might. I mean, he definitely has a lot. I, I took notes on everything. Um, But... Essentially, he continues to world travel. His parents pass away. He goes back. He, like, mm-hmm. gets kind of back and forth for a while. He ends up getting to, like, a really high level where, like, the king of France has him in France at this point. Yeah. And he's, like, his emotional support encyclopedia at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, he's, like, world traveling. He does Vitruvian Man. Yeah. He does Mona Lisa, obviously. Mm-hmm. Hydraulic engineering, Niccolo Machiavelli. We kind of touched on a lot of this stuff. We didn't add that much detail, though. I feel like we might need another podcast to finish up the rest of his life, honestly. At some point, we could maybe do a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Leonardo's story is one of those ones where it's like, it's a really good fit for um, the Engineering History podcast where we do sort of the tapestry of stories where it's like, I could do part one and then we go off and do a bunch of stuff and yeah. then part two will be its own self-contained story. Yeah. I would consider the story we just told to be the story of a guy who kind of is a weirdo who comes out of nowhere, mm-hmm. makes it into the court of the Duke of Milan doing the most random shit <laughs> and faking it till he makes it, essentially. Yeah. Putting himself on a path that will eventually get him to, yeah, like King of France level. But sort of the story here, I think, is like the story of a guy who's just like so innovative in terms of like taking things from nothing to reality based purely on physical principles and mastering a bunch of side disciplines just in his <laughs> spare time. Yeah. 
Sounds like a cool guy, honestly. I loved reading about Leonardo, and as much as I'm like knocking his thing of like of like, you know, not having not having built that much, that even feels so wrong to say. I know. It, you know? I guess it's uh design versus construction, you know? Would you yeah. have the construction if you didn't have the design or, you know, would would you eat, would the design just stay in its spot without the construction you know it's it's a give and take give and take exactly and he's on the give side of that for sure Mm -hmm. so leonardo one of my favorite guys a real i think one of the guy deserving of the term polymath like i think he mastered so many disciplines Mm -hmm. um i honestly yeah true italian true italian real homie yeah um solid dude just also a fun lover, you know? Pranks, puns, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna look out. I got Judas. He's still uh, yeah, still available. <laughs> You're looking kind of like a Judas right now. I just farted. <laughs> I just farted. Hey. Making fun of you. But he had a dark side, too. What has this world come to? <laughs> 15-year-old Anna. 15-year-old yeah. Anna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something in the way plays in the background. <laughs> Uh, I love this. I love this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. I I hope it made some amount of sense. I think like Leonardo's life, it was a little disjointed. Mm-hmm. It didn't always follow a super narrow, uh, a super linear path. Mm-hmm. But I think Leonardo as a person, I think that might fit for a guy like Leonardo. What was with Nuzzle and then the graves? You because you mentioned you were reading the book and then the word Nuzzle came. The up? word Nuzzle was totally in the book, and I was just, oh man, I have the book here and I can control F for the word nuzzle because it totally was a thing and I'm basically just stalling for time before I can hit control F <laughs> nuzzle. What was the context there? I don't know. You, you just oh, told me one day. Yes. There's a swan. So there's this one painting of it's another one. Uh, actually his original... Oh, the original is lost, but folks, we're looking at a painting with Leonardo where um, it's this woman. This is actually Leonardo's only overtly sexual painting. Mm-hmm. It's a naked woman, and she's nuzzling a swan. The swan's coming up to nuzzle her. And they're looking at their little swan babies. There's these little babies that are, like, part baby, part swan, and they've, like, hatched out of these eggs. And uh, it's a really bizarre painting. I don't actually know what it's supposed to mean. I do know that all of this flora and fauna and stuff, that is completely consistent with what you would have, kind of. So these flowers are all realistic, and all of this stuff is, like, an example of, of how it would be. Oh, I see. Okay. But yeah, this is basically like a woman and her swan baby daddy looking, (laughs) she's looking at their brood of human swan hybrids, and then the swan, first of all, looks blazed as fuck, (laughs) and then it's kind of coming up to nuzzle a little bit. This is a copy that one of his students did. The original is lost. Oh, okay. Well, what about the graves? You mentioned there was like grave (sighs) digging or like something with... So there's a popular uh, sort of legend that Leonardo was a grave digger, which is how he got his uh, corpses for dissection. Oh. That's not in the book. I mm. think that might be an embellishment because uh, dissections were actually legal. They were just mm-hmm. really frowned upon when he lived. Yeah. He got most of his stuff. There was one guy. He taught. He was at a hospital one time. He met this guy. The guy was like, guess what? I'm 100 years old and I've never been sick in my life. And Leonardo mm-hmm. was like, that's crazy. The guy dies the same night and Leonardo was like, <laughs> free real estate <laughs> so to sex the fuck out of the guy <laughs> that's crazy you're a hundred I'm dissecting you yeah. bro <laughs> he's like cha-ching <laughs> 
You definitely were sick in your life, by the way. Yeah, it's like, how did you never get sick? That's yeah. such a bullshit claim. That's so crazy. You know what else is crazy? What's that? Our amazing listeners. We are doing... We Well, we're putting in the work of doing the research, but... You guys are putting in the work of listening and appreciating our podcast, and we we love to see it. Yeah, the pod's growing. I'm I'm really happy with it. Thanks to everybody listening, and it's like I don't know. I think we would have made the pod regardless. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice that like people <laughs> yeah. actually also want to listen. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We've we've talked a lot about our strategy, and folks, we're kind of done with the Leonardo section, but we talked we talked a little bit about our at least like what I'm optimizing for. I'm optimizing for two things, which mm-hmm. is fun like that it's like actually fun for us to talk yeah and then learning like I really want to learn a lot through the podcast yeah I personally am not optimizing really for us growing the podcast that much Mm -hmm. at least at like the sacrifice of you know like those two primary goals we're for the people we're for the people but we're also like like we'll do crossover episodes. We have the Instagram. Yeah, we'll we mention do. it casually in passing to mm-hmm. our people who are tired of hearing about it. Yeah. And I realize, <laughs> but like we're not like like I don't want to like do some like social media blitz or something. No, or, like, I don't. We're we do have flyers. We put up flyers around sometimes. Yeah, that was like almost <laughs> a year and a half ago. <laughs> There's like a billboard. It like it kind of near our place that I keep meaning to like put one up on. I never do it. Yeah. But we really appreciate everyone everyone who listens. What? Well, I said everyone so weirdly. You're, you're from the South. Yeah. And we appreciate everyone who listens. And, you know, we've we've got some projects coming up in the new cooking year. Up, cooking, cooking up. Cooking up. Yeah. Much like a swan-human hybrid baby. Yeah. Got to cook that baby for nine months. Yes. And this will not be cooked for nine months. It'll yes. just be cooked for probably a month or two. Probably. In the new year, you'll hear... You'll, you're, you'll hear our new projects coming up. We're pumped. We're super pumped to be growing not only our pod, but our projects. Mm-hmm. By the way, we got our uh, Spotify wrapped, you know, podcast. Like if you if you have a podcast, Spotify gives you a whole separate wrapped thing. Yeah. How many people, we're like 10 or 11 people's top podcast. Yes. Thank you <laughs> to, those, to those people. Yeah. And then like 20 people were in like the top 5%. So mm-hmm. like that's insane too. And our SR71 Blackbird was the most, most popular, popular episode. Yeah. Most shared. So Check that one out if you're interested. Very different episode to this. Like, <laughs> yes, very, very different. much so. <laughs> but uh, also a good story, I think. Yeah. If you want something similar to this, I'd say the real Jon Snow episode. That's a really, yes. probably pretty similar. A very, also vegetarian, mm-hmm. also understood public health and water sanitation and all these things. Yeah, genius. Genius, genius dude. Mm-hmm. You almost wonder if they could have collabed. There was only a few centuries in between them. I like, feel like they could have easily collabed. Homies. Like, you know, met on Twitter or something. Did, dude, that would have happened. Did a YouTube oh collab. It's like, hey guys. It's like, it's like, um, fixing London's water system in parentheses featuring Leonardo da Vinci. Parentheses emotional. <laughs> yeah. Parentheses gonsexual. Parentheses sad. <laughs> parentheses not clickbait. Oh, you get, you get the idea. Yes. They would have been friends. I think so. Anyway, that's all I got. Yay! That was good. That was fun. I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. All right. uh, Bye, everybody. We'll see you next time.